0: This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural non-toxic medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair utilizes a molecule called hypochlorous acid. When applied to the skin, the molecule works by mimicking the natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We use active skin repair all the time in our household. We call it the magic spray. We use it for so many things, but it came in hot recently when Sage fell and busted open his lip, and we had our first trip to urgent care for stitches. And now, with all the bumps and scrapes that come with summertime, It is very much on the scene. In fact, Mila, my five-month-old, recently got a little cut on her finger and Sage noticed it first and he was like, Mama, I'll go grab the magic spray. He was so jazzed to be able to do it and help her and be a part of it. It's become a staple in our household. You can visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's code VILLAGE for 20% off your order at activeskinrepair.com. You're listening to Voices of Your Village. This is episode number 75. When we think about trust, I often think about these big moments, right? Like where they will trust me with their big secrets or I will be the one that they turn to. But how do you become that person for somebody? The thing is... It's in the small moments. It's making a promise and keeping it. It's setting a boundary and holding it. It's showing up for folks consistently. In this episode, we are diving into how to foster a relationship built on trust with your tiny humans, because if down the road you do want to be that person that they turn to, they have to trust you. Heck, maybe even right now, you want to be that person that they turn to. They've got to trust you. Before we dive in, will you do me a favor? Will you screenshot this and post it on your social media? Tag, and so I want to come give you a virtual high five. And guys, here's the thing. The more people that know about free tools like this, the more emotionally intelligent humans we can raise. This podcast is in 63 different countries around the world, and it fills my soul to know that folks have access to free information to help them on this journey of raising emotionally intelligent humans. So can you help me out? Can you share it and tag Seed and let folks know that this tool exists for them? Thanks. You're the bomb. I love the crap out of this village. All right, let's dive in. With the tiny humans, one of my biggest goals is to foster a relationship of trust, where they trust me to keep them safe, to do what I say I'm going to do, and I trust them to hold up their end of the bargain. If they say they're going to do something, I trust that they will. And there are times where we're going to let each other down. That's just the nature of the beast, man. This is how life works. I trust my husband more than anyone in the world, and there are times where he lets me down, right? Where he didn't read my mind or he said he was going to do something, but then something came up or something happened and he didn't do it. And this is just a part of life. But more often than not, he follows through with what he says he'll do, and he shows up when he says he'll show up. And I want the same with our tiny humans. I want them to know that I trust them. But part of this is trusting them, right? It's letting them take risks even when they might fail, or even when they might have a hard feeling at the end of it. They might get embarrassed, or they might be disappointed. And it can be really easy to step in and support them and filter it so that they don't have to feel the hard thing. But I want them to know that I trust them, not only with whatever the task is, but that I know that they have the tools to process that hard stuff. And so even if in the end they wind up with disappointment or embarrassment or anger or fear, Then I can support them. Let me give you an example. I was playing with a three-year-old and she was climbing up this, we were like kind of on a hill and there was a like rock wall thing on the side where that had like steps. And then in the middle was grass. And she started to climb up and the grass had a fence around it. They were growing like new grass or whatever. There were like seeds there. And so she knew she wasn't allowed to walk on the grass, but she could run around the fence. There was other grass for her to run on. And so she started to climb up and she turned and she looked back at me and I said, you can climb. I trust you. If you need help, let me know. But I trust that you won't run on the grass that's trying to grow. And she pushed that boundary a couple times. Sometimes she like started to step her foot over And I just said, you know what? That grass is really working hard to grow. Please don't step on it. And then she would run around and not step on it. And I just continued to say, I trust you. But I did. I really did trust her. It didn't mean she wouldn't push the boundary a little. And I was right there to gently remind her. But I trusted her. I trusted that she could climb up that thing if she felt like she could climb up the rock wall. And it's scary. It's so scary because they can fall and get hurt and they will, right? It's the same when kiddos are starting to walk, learning that new gross motor. And we trust them to work on it and to take those steps and they're going to fall and get hurt. Having trust in kiddos doesn't mean we only trust them when it's easy, It doesn't mean we only tell them we have faith in them when there's no risk at play. In fact, I think that trust happens in all of these small moments where we say, yeah, I trust you to buckle yourself into your car seat. I'll check before we go to make sure it's safe. And that's it. You let them go and then you just check. Or, yeah, I trust that you can put on your own shoes before we leave. We're leaving in five minutes. Does that sound like something you can get done? Or, yeah, I trust you to pick out an outfit that's comfortable. I think it's going to be a little chilly out today. What do you think you should wear? And then letting them make that choice. It might mean you bring a backup jacket if they get cold, but trusting them to make that choice. And these moments happen all throughout the day. I think of it a lot around food as well, trusting kiddos to tell us when they're full. Sometimes I'll remind them, you know, we're not going to be here to eat more food for a couple hours. It's going to be a little while. I know you're really excited to play. If your belly's still hungry feel free to take time to take bites. We'll have time to play after, I promise you. And if I have held up my end of the bargain more times than not, when I say, you'll have more time to play, I promise you, they trust me. They trust that I'm telling the truth there. If we do things like sneak away from them instead of saying goodbye or We tell them something that's just not true, and they find out we're breaking our trust to them constantly. So, if I tell them, Oh, you can't have more because it's all gone, of like something I just don't want them to have more of, and then they look and they aren't all gone, I'm breaking that trust with them. Instead, it might be harder and they might have more of a pushback, but I think it's our job to say, you know what? I'm not going to let you have any more right now because I don't want your belly to feel sick. We could maybe have more later. We're going to put these away. Just being honest with them. So often, I think with our kiddos, we tell them these like little lies. And sometimes it's because we just don't want to get into it. Sometimes it's because it makes us uncomfortable to talk about I at one point was changing a kiddo's diaper and I had my period and I got hit with like a wave of cramps and I just like bent over for a second with my hand on her with my eyes closed as she's on the diaper table. It was just like, woof. And she looked at me and she was like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, my body hurts right now, but it won't hurt forever. I'm just in some pain right now. And she was like, you're in pain. And I was like, yeah, my uterus hurts. And she was like, why uterus hurts? (laughs) And I was like, well, I could have made up a thing for her. And I think a lot of times we would because, well, frankly, I think a lot of these conversations make us feel uncomfortable. But I just said, oh, my body was ready to have a baby and I chose not to. And now it hurts that's a thousand percent the truth. And she was like, okay. And she, uh, she leaned in, she gave me a snuggle after a diaper change. It was so sweet and empathetic. But I think sometimes we make such a bigger deal out of things that we could just tell them the truth. I feel like for so long, figuring out hormones and trying to maintain optimal hormone levels has just been up to us as individuals, and it's so incredible to have a company like Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, dedicated to making women's lives easier. They use only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women, and they make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. I was just chatting with a friend of mine who's entering into menopause, and we were just sharing about how hormones play a role for all of us. Hormone harmony isn't just for menopause. Any woman with symptoms of hormonal imbalances can take it, but it's perfect for those horrible menopause symptoms that can put your life on hold. The biggest benefit that people have been reporting is feeling like themselves again. That's what people have mentioned over and over in their reviews, and there are over 17,000 reviews for Hormone Harmony. For a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code VILLAGE at checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code VILLAGE for 15% off today.
1: I'm willing to bet you'll leave feeling a little inspired and maybe even completely fired up. And you'll probably laugh a few times because I promise we never take ourselves too seriously over here. With 700 episodes to choose from, you're likely gonna find something that sparks and speaks to you inside the Shameless Mom Academy.
0: If you're loving this podcast, then you would love our Tiny Humans Big Emotions membership. Every month, I go live on a different topic in emotional development so you can ask your questions in real time. Then I give you bonus tools for implementing it. And as if that wasn't already jazzy enough, we do a Q&A two weeks later so that you can come back and share what's going well and ask questions about things that you want some more support on. I get to guide you through implementing these approaches in real time so that we can raise emotionally intelligent humans together. The coolest part? You can have all of this for less than $15 a month. Less than 50 cents a day, friends. Head on over to tinyhumansbigemotions.com to join us for our next live workshop. Part of this, though, is trusting them when they say they're going to do something, right? Gosh, this is hard with adults, guys. A few weeks ago, Zach and I had a couple hours where we had had an event canceled in the afternoon and we had something later that night, but we had a few hours now that were free. And needless to say, we ended up deciding that we were going to get some chores done during this time. Well, to be completely honest. I decided in my head and for a little while had a conflict and fight with Zach in my head he didn't even know about, Uh, but eventually we worked that out, and we both were going to do some chores around the house before we left, and Zach said he was going to load the dishwasher before we left, and then I watched him sit there and not load the dishwasher. And I realized that when I when he said he was going to load the dishwasher, what I really wanted was for him to load the dishwasher on my timeline, right? So for the most part, as a human, I operate where I like to get all the things on my to-do list done and over with, so I don't have to think about them anymore, because I can't relax until the things are done. Like, it's really hard for me if I know... I have to still do the dishes. Then I need to like, I keep looking at the clock to see like, oh, how much time do I have? Do I have enough time to get all this stuff done? So for me, it works best to do the things. And then if I have time at the end, then I'll sit and relax. Zax is probably much healthier. He's really good at saying like, I'm going to take some time for myself. I'm going to sit here and relax and read a book or whatever. And Then I will get ready and do the dishes before I leave. He can truly relax even though they're still on his to-do list, but I can't. And the hardest part of him saying he would do the dishes was trusting that he would do the dishes. There were so many times that I wanted to be like, Hey, bud, are you going to have enough time to do the dishes before we go? And I had to filter myself because that would be me saying, I don't trust that you are going to manage your time well enough. We do this with adults all the time, and we do it with our tiny humans too. We go and we check up on them, or sometimes it's even us just like stepping into their projects to do them the way we think they should be done, right? I was with my niece and nephew and they were building things out of like leftover Amazon boxes and tape and they were being so creative and my nephew was making, oh, like raft, what did he call it? The cardboard cruiser (laughs) that would go in the pool and it could float and he was using like old water bottles and whatever. It was so creative and so cool. And it was so hard for me to sit back and just let it happen because I wanted to be like, oh, it's tipping because you need a bottle on this side or whatever. But really, I needed to trust that he would figure this out. And a huge part of him learning was figuring it out. Even if it's different than I would do it, it should be different than I would do it. I don't want kids who only have the skills that I have. I want kids who surpass that and A huge part of that is allowing for innovation for them, allowing for them to do things differently than I might do them. Even when he was struggling to figure out why it was tilting, I could ask critical questions like, hmm, I wonder, why do you think it's always falling on that side? What do you think you could do? But stepping in and doing it for him would be me saying, I don't trust that you can figure this out. So I'm going to step in and do it for you. We even do it with babies who are like reaching for a toy and they can't get it and we just move it closer to them. I want to get down on their level and say, oh, you're so close. How can you get to that? It seems so far away and I see you reaching and trying to roll over there. How are you going to get there? And In the end, I might end up helping them roll, but first, I'm going to give them a chance and I'm going to connect with them first. We have got to trust our kiddos because when we do, it goes such a long way. When they trust us and we trust them, it's a game changer. Guys, one of the biggest parts of trust is following through with boundaries. If I say I'm not going to let you climb on that. It's just not a safe choice for you. Or, you know what? We're going to leave in five minutes. Or, I'm going to come play with you right after I'm done putting dinner in the oven. You know what? That same time with my niece and nephew, at the same time we were visiting them, they have a pool. And my niece really wanted to play. She was, she's so stinking sweet. And I love playing with her. And, I was very tired <laughs> and I we had gotten in really late the night before. I didn't sleep well and then I'd gotten up and done a presentation in Syracuse. And I was really tired in the afternoon and we were le- lounging in the pool and I was laying on a raft with like my face down and she came over and she was like Aunt Lissy, will you come play a game with me? And I said, "You know what, babe? I'm going to close my eyes for 10 minutes." And then I'll come play with you. And I was laying there and my eyes were, and she was like, Okay, that sounds good. And like she was down with it. And then my eyes were closed, but I could still hear, and I was like slowly drifting off. But I heard her ask my brother, she was like, Will you set a timer? Because in 10 minutes, Aunt Lissy's gonna come play with me. And he was like, Oh, um, just let her sleep. And at that moment, I knew I had to set a timer because I told her in 10 minutes, I was going to come play with her. I didn't say after my nap. I said in 10 minutes. And I wanted to be true to my word. And so then I heard her a little bit later, like asking, does anybody know how long it's been? And at that point, I just like rolled over and I was like, hey, babe, I think it's been 10 minutes. Can we play a game now? And I went and I played with her. And to be honest, I was still a little tired, but I know that I want her to know when I say something, I mean it. And so much of that is boundary setting. constantly making empty promises. If we're saying things like, yeah, I'll come play with you after I'm done with this. And then we never get around to it. They don't believe it's true. When we say it, you're better off at those points saying like, you know what? I really want to come play with you. I don't know if I'm going to have time after dinner. We can wait and see when we're done with dinner. If there's still time for playing, just being honest with them. It might mean that they're upset in the moment. They might be really bummed that there might not be time. But to me, that trust is more important than anything. Even when the boundary is something they don't like or don't really want us to hold, when we hold it, we are building trust. We are consistently telling them, when I say something to you, I mean it. Whether it's something they want to hear and that boundary that they want to have happen or not. I think we often think of boundary setting and holding as like a consequence that we're setting for kiddos. And it's just so not how I see it. I see it as something in everyday life that they're going to have for the rest of their lives. Just like I as an adult have boundaries, right? Like if I speed, I might get a ticket. If I don't show up to work, I might lose my job. If I only eat ice cream for breakfast, lunch, dinner, all the meals, I might feel sick, right? Like there are boundaries in my life all the time that I, where I get to make choices as to whether or not I'm going to follow them. And there are different outcomes depending on the choice that I make. And it's the same for these tiny humans. It's not a consequence. There are just different outcomes depending on the choice that you make. And I think it's so stinking important for them to know that we are going to set boundaries because boundaries keep us safe. Boundaries allow kiddos the freedom to explore because they know you won't put them in a situation where they're going to get drastically hurt. Like, I won't let you run into the street and play because you might get hit by a car. It's a firm boundary I'm just going to hold. I will let you run around in the yard and play. I will let you climb up onto that, onto those monkey bars or on that swing set and play. You might fall and get hurt, but not bad enough that you can't take that risk. Boundaries let kiddos know that it's okay to take the risk. That if it was too great of a risk, I'd stop them. That's my job is to keep you safe and healthy. My kiddos that I work with all the time, all these kiddos in my life, will repeat back to me when I say, What's my job? My job is to keep you, they'll say, safe and healthy. And I will tell them, Yeah, because I love you so much. That doesn't mean they won't fall down and get hurt. It doesn't mean they aren't going to have a band aid or they aren't going to fall off those monkey bars and get hurt. It's going to happen. They should take risks, calculated risks, not like running into the street to see if maybe we get hit by a car. But when I set that boundary and then I let them go and I let them climb on those monkey bars or I let them take that risk, I'm saying I trust you to take that chance. I trust you to work really hard with those strong muscles to try and pull yourself across those monkey bars. And sometimes it's an emotional risk. Sometimes it's, you know what, I trust you to try this. And knowing that they might not get it on the first, second, third time, and that they might feel disappointment or frustration. And that, guys, is when I think it's most important that we step in and say, "Ugh, that's so frustrating. It's not working. I trust that you'll figure this out. What else could we do? How else could we try it? It seems like a real challenge. Now we can step in and emotion coach them and also let them know, I trust you to keep trying because resiliency is such a freaking gift and innovation and creativity are the key to us moving forward and continuing to evolve and it's not going to happen on the first time. It's going to take them failing or making mistakes or having the wrong answer or feeling embarrassed or disappointed or frustrated or annoyed And then working through those hard emotions and trying again. And a huge part of that is us not stepping in to just do it for them when it doesn't work the first time. Instead, emotion coaching them and saying, oh, how are we going to solve this? What do you think we could do? I trust that you can figure this out. I've seen you work so hard over here. I want you to pause and think for a second. Do you really trust them? Do you trust that they will do their very best? Do you trust that they will communicate with you for what they need? Sometimes this communication comes in the form of a behavior that we don't love, that isn't convenient for us. And it means us pausing and saying, man, what are they telling me? What are they communicating to me right now? If we can gain that perspective, it can change our trust relationship. All right, guys, let's go build some relationships built on trust with these tiny humans so they can grow to be their best selves and always know that they can turn to us whenever they need love and support along the way. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at VoicesOfYourVillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community for all of you to be a part of so that we can all gather together to raise emotionally intelligent humans? Head on over to Facebook, search Seed and Sow Voices of Your Village, and dive into that Facebook group. We cannot wait to hang out with you and collaborate on raising these tiny humans. If you're digging this podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts, scroll down, click those stars and leave a review. It really fills my heart to hear from all of you.
3: Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence